This show was recorded several years ago, so please ignore reference to any current events or activities since they are long out of date. This is Lois Richter, and my program is called That's Life. You are listening to KDRTLP 95.7 here in Davis, California. Today, I have with me a guest that is someone I've never met. You know, I do this every once in a while. I, I talk to people. I get excited about whatever it is that they're talking about, and I say, Can you come and be on my show? And sometimes they say, yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, what happened is that I had um, the founder, Ben Given, a piece of art. And I was trying to get it prepared to go on to the uh, Yolo County Fair because there's an auction at the fair where they sell donated items to raise money for the local school's art programs. And so I wanted to do that. And the signature, very tiny little signature, was H, friend, and then it said 72. My interpretation is that that was the artist in the year. Um, and I'm assuming 1972 because of the, the style of the frame and everything. But it was an interesting thing. It was this black surface with these little white lines drawn on it. Really, really delicate. Um, so I started researching it and took a little magnifying glass to it. And I looked and I went, whoa, that's not white lines drawn on a black piece of paper. No, nope, that's something else. Whoa, those white lines are incised. They've been, they've been cut out. What? Well, turns out that I figured out it's called scratchboard. So I went online and I looked for scratchboard associations or clubs or groups or professionals or whatever to try and find out if anybody knew who H Friend was. And they didn't. But I got to this organization, which is called... The International Society of Scratchboard Artists. Okay. And what is the website? It is scratchboardsociety.org. Okay. So it's an organization that is of professional artists rather than it being a little local club or something. And the lady who was in charge of it is Anne Ranlett. That would be me, and I'm glad you got in touch with me. Yeah. So I talked to her about that, and, and, you know, we corresponded a little bit. And then I went and I looked at her website, and she had these wonderful um, explanatory segments. She had all her artwork up, and then she had one where she showed how you did it and how how she did what she did. And I thought, ooh, that's cool. Then I looked a little bit longer. It turns out... She's local. <laughs> well, she's in Northern California. That is, that's local. That's as close as we can yeah. imagine getting. Um, and ask her if she'd come on the show. And here she is. So without further ado, or with a great deal of further ado, or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, do a do a do. This is Anne Ranlett. And Anne, would you spell your name for us, please? First name Anne with no E. Last name is Ranlett, R-A-N-L-E-T-T. Wonderful. And you are... A scratchboard artist. I am. How long have you been doing that? 
Um, well, I've been drawing since I was a kid. You know, many artists that are still doing it at this age of 57 um, haven't been doing it a long time. And mm-hmm. um, drawing since I was a kid, mostly detail, mostly animals. And then in the late 90s, I took a scratchboard workshop at mm-hmm. an illustrator's conference. And I had done some scratchboard in college and even elementary school and things like that, pretty basic stuff. But when I took this workshop, she was using a really good quality scratchboard base. And that was honestly a light bulb moment. So from then on, I liked Scratchboard. And then I would say in the last 10, 12 years or so, I got more heavily into it and found a group on the Internet on Wet Canvas, which is a art forum, I guess. And there was a separate mm-hmm. Scratchboard group just for Scratchboard people. So I connected with people there. And then during that time, I think it was about seven years ago, so 2011, there was talk of forming the Scratchboard Society. Mm-hmm. So that it actually formed in 2011 and has been going since. And it's, I think we have about 200 members now. We are international. The majority of us are in the U.S. We've got quite a few in Canada, a pretty good contingent in Australia, and then others scattered around, excuse me, scattered around the world. Mm-hmm. And then we have shows every year of just Scratchboard art. And we just, the society, the point of the society is to support Scratchboard as a fine art and Mm -hmm. get it out to the community. Because as you know, you don't see it that often. Well, let's, uh, okay, thank you. That's a great, a great history. I'm going to go back and I'm going to start with you, though. Okay, absolutely. So you started drawing as a kid and then you took training? Not really. Um, no, no, class, art, no art classes? Not really formal. A class here and there. And uh-huh. my parents encouraged it, of course, which was great. Um, so I've just always drawn. And it was and always a hobby. has it been your career? It's been a career for the last, I'd say full-time for the last 15 years. Oh, that's good. But as a hobby, whenever I could, you know, right. everywhere before that. Right. Um, and Scratchboard just speaks to me. It's just So when you were really a kid, you it. said you tried Scratchboard, and then when you took this workshop, they had a, a better quality thing. So how about describing for us first what the kid's Scratchboard was like? Because I have something in my head, and I'm not sure it would gotcha. qualify. No, what you have is probably what we all – if anyone did Scratchboard when they were kids, mm-hmm. and maybe in elementary school or art school, art projects – it was some kind of a paper. We would put color crayon on it, mm-hmm. put black ink on top. When that dried, scratch through it. So you get this rainbow thing underneath. Oh. So that's the really basic level kid version. So that's even that's even more advanced than what I was thinking of, which was which was you put the color down uh-huh. and then you put uh, you color with black wax. I that, mean, with, with cra- be, black crayons. That's the same and idea. And then and then yeah, you yeah. you, but then you're not. You're not drawing little lines. You're, like, scraping it off with a, well, a spoon or something. The, I don't remember what we used to scrape. Yeah. Maybe a paper clip or a, a sharpened stick. I know we didn't have knives in elementary school. Yeah. So I don't remember what we used as a scratching tool. But when I talk to people, and most people do not know what scratchboard is, if they do have some idea, they say, oh, yeah, I did that color crayon thing in elementary school. Okay. So that's, that's so, the extent so that's of most people's the, knowledge. That's the um, the kid version. Right. What's the adult version? There's a kind of, I would say, an intermediate adult version. When I was in college, I took a couple art classes. And we used a board that I wouldn't even call a board at that point. It was like a cardstock paper, so a thick weight paper mm-hmm. with a white clay and then a thin layer of black on top. And what material and was the black? Ink of some sort. Probably India ink. They came pre-made, so you would buy them and then... 
So you buy them and there were three layers. There was the, the substrate and then the, the white, thin white layer and then a, the a black. black layer. And so if you scratched down from the black, you'd see the white. And if you scratched even further, you'd see the paper. Exactly. So there was no forgiveness to that surface. You had to be so careful to do it properly and be careful where you put your marks because there was no way to rework that. Or you might be able to come in and add a dot of ink if you scratch too much, but you couldn't go any further with that. You were done. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of intimidating. And I understand why people don't maybe are afraid of scratchboard because they, if they had any experience, it was with Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And it's not forgiving. You scratch once you're done. So you have to be really careful to plot out your drawing and go from there. Now, we graduate to what I learned about in the Scratchboard Workshop. Mm-hmm. And it was a different surface that had quite a bit more clay underneath. So you could actually add and subtract ink and work a little bit more deeply. Being careful to scratch, because if you go too deep and you hit that cardboard base, you can't do anything further. And is the cardboard base white? Uh, kind of gray. It was just like so a So you like would a be able to tell. You would know, and it would feel different. you get down to this part that was rough. Mm. as opposed to the clay. But there's enough clay, and as long as you're careful, scratching gently, you've got a lot of depth in there to work with. So when you say you can add ink, what, what, t- tell me about that. But, so there's clay, and then there's ink on top. Well, now doesn't the ink just soak into the clay? Uh, whatever. I'm not sure of the clay formula, but no. The, ink, the clay's certainly well dry before the ink is applied, and then the ink sits on top. Mm-hmm. Now, when I took the workshop in the late 90s, she was using a white scratch board. So there mm-hmm. is no black layer on top. It's just white clay. So what we would have to do is put the black where we wanted it to be. So we would take a brush, an India ink, or a technical pen with black ink and paint or draw the blacks on the board. Mm-hmm. And from there we could scratch. So it would be sort of like if you picture a silhouette on your scratch board. Mm-hmm. It's the base layer. It's the starting point, And then you can go in and add the detail to that black by scratching. I see. But you could also add more black. So if you scratched away too much or maybe you just wanted a little finer line in a light area, you can go back in with a pen and add black. So that's... Okay, so the black is India ink? Yeah. And India ink, if I recall correctly, is basically a carbon soot that's suspended in water, which then evaporates. That is my understanding. And it's it's waterproof once it's dry, and it's light fast. If you're buying the right brand, so there's different brands of ink. So, you know, if you're doing scratch boards, you want to make sure you get an ink that is waterproof. But the basic India ink is is fine. All right. So then... Now, you got to understand that the, the way my brain works is I'm, I'm leaping all over the mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. here and going, ooh, well, if that's true, then what about, hmm? So the, the India ink seems to be very similar to block print ink. Uh-huh. I would suspect I'm not familiar with block print, but I would expect it's, it's similar. It's, it's, got, it's, it's not thin like water, but it's not thick and pasty. Right. It's sort of a medium thing and it's black 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 right absolutely black. super black i believe it has shellac in it the india ink i think that's what makes it and it gives it a little bit of a sheen okay. and i'm not sure how that compares to so, um, so do you have ink. other colors so like if it was black printing then i could have yellow and red and green and blue because they make those inks in all those colors does india ink is just black carbon which is always black so is there other colors of ink that you can there are other use? brands other colors of ink um and so we get in kind of the second stage of what you can do with scratch board um if you're working on one of the whiteboards, you mm-hmm. can add color and you can use any brand of ink really that works you can use thinned acrylic 
If it's too mm. thick, acrylic, you know, it's plastic. You know, because yeah, you know work that, with acrylic, yeah. it's plasticky. So if it's thinned with water or an acrylic thinner, then you can scratch through it. But you want to make sure it goes on thin, almost like an ink consistency. Mm-hmm. I don't use that very much. I have used it a few times. But um, I tend to use watercolor or there are just other inks that work fine. So when you say watercolor, now watercolor doesn't form that sheet of plastic like the acrylic does. Watercolor would just be then loose pigment sitting there after the water's evaporated. It, it is somewhat absorbed into the clay. Because it is a clay surface, it, mm-hmm. it does get embedded in it, but not so deeply that if you go to scratch, you don't get a white line after you scratch. Okay. Does that make so, sense? That makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can take a... a Something that's got white clay on it, and then I put whatever ink or ink or pigment substance. There you go, color pigment ink substance. or color. Yes, exactly. And then I drag a spoon through it. In my case, an exacto knife. An exacto knife. Spoon so is not going to. You need the spoon's going to make really big, broad swatches. Right, exactly. So you need something that will actually give you the fine detail because that's uh-huh. our whole point is that detail that we love, um, and sharp enough. And freshly sharp enough that it doesn't make a rough mark. So a sharp knife so, is going to make a nice, clean, straight Okay, but a mark. sharp knife is going to cut into it, but then won't it just collapse back on itself once the knife's gone? I mean, don't you have to take out some black in order to you, make the line stay there? Exactly. You're actually scratching through the black or the color to get to the white. Yeah, but then what happens? But you haven't removed any material, yeah, have you? Yeah, it's, it's very fine. You end up with a lot of dust. When you do scratch board, you'll see dust. As you scratch things away, because that's the black, that ink the, layer, the black dust. that ink and the cl- that very, I mean, you're talking in, you know, microns of okay. things you're pulling off, really. So you're pulling off a little bit of the black layer down to the white. Because when you think of the layer of, of ink you've painted down, it's very thin. Very thin. So okay. you're scratching, th- bleh, scratching through that into the clay, and that gives you a white mark. Okay. So I'm thinking of, again, since I did block printing, linoleum cuts where you have a tool that instead of being one knife is a little V-shaped tool, and it actually takes out a little tiny divot, little... little. Exactly. Thing. Now, do you ever use that kind of thing in your that scratch would, boards? That would gouge too much. That would, would go take out too, too far. far into the clay. But if you, okay. if you took that and made it microscopically smaller, it mm-hmm. would be the same idea. I mean, okay. if you took a cross-section of a scratched scratch board, mm-hmm. you would see the board base, the clay... A little tiny divot where you'd made a scratch, and then on either side of the divot would be whatever color is left over. Right. So it's it's layers, but it's okay. very... But it has to cut through. You can't just roll across. So I couldn't take like a, a, a ballpoint pen that had run out of ink that, that I could roll through, because that would just press it down. It, exactly. You it would, wouldn't see the white. Right. You would kind of incise a dent in it, but you wouldn't remove anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... This is getting complicated. Well, folks. and that so that is on the whiteboards, which, but but the the now, blackboards now are. Right, there's I have all, just already have the ink on them. Right, they've already got the black ink now. So then you don't have to worry about. You don't it. have to do that. But so on the blackboards, they've uh-huh. already got that black layer. You can scratch through, and just end up with a black and white drawing. Mm-hmm. But the neat thing, if you choose to, once you've got that black and white drawing, you can then add color to that. So the color will only stick where there's white clay visible. It will only it, stick or it will only show? It, it, well, it doesn't stick to the black. I mean, it, it, it maybe doesn't really. Or even if it sticks, you couldn't see it. You're not going to see it. it, yeah. it abs- the clay absorbs it, kind of hangs onto it. Okay. So then you've got this black and white drawing that you can tint. 
Uh-huh. Or if you want, and so many of us scratch boards, we work differently. So you'll see a different method. I prefer my finished drawings to look more like a tinted photograph. Mm-hmm. So I do the full drawing. I may have it 90% finished to where it looks like a finished drawing. But then I add color. And for me, that just makes it really pop. And you've got mm-hmm. this colorized black and white drawing. So once once you've done the drawing and you've added some, you've tinted it with some watercolor, mm-hmm. can I then go back and in the watercolored area make white lines? Absolutely. So then you could make gradations of shadow. Exactly. Do you ever uh, paint like I'll paint some watercolor on, do some more scratching out, have some more white with pink, and then paint another layer of the same color watercolor. So some of it is darker, some of it is lighter. You got it. Can you do that? That's exactly how it's done. Uh, you got it. Uh, you got it. Yeah. This is so exciting. That's how you can do the layering and the different shades, and you still have that wonderful detail, mm-hmm. um, but you can add the color. And you don't have to add color. Some of my scratchboard friends... Never do color. Well, the one that I found, the H friend at 72. That was not That color, was right? just black and right. white. It's right. beautiful. Right. It's it tiny is. little scratches. Yeah. But, but okay. So um, for those of you listening today on the radio, I have a surprise. We have a mixed media event. In addition to having a radio show where you can listen to us talk and describe things. If you happen to be someplace where you can be by a computer, don't do this if you're driving. Um, if, you, if, if you want to come back to this sometime later, you can go to kdrt.org slash that's life, and you will see there all the lists of all of the shows that we've ever done. And if you go to today's show, you can then listen to this again safely in our archives forever. Okay, but if you are at a computer, um, Anne was kind enough to make a link to an example page for Lucy the Goose, Lucy Goosey, um, and that link is, you ready, bit.ly slash a-n-n-g-o-o-s-e, so that's bit.ly slash Goose, and that will redirect you bitly is is like like tiny url used to be where you can take a big long url and transform it into something really tiny so bitney bitly bit.ly slash ann goose and what you'll see is you'll go into ann randlett's website and there's an example there of uh lucy goosey Okay. Now, unfortunately, I don't have an internet connection on this computer, so I'm going to have to do it by just listening to you. That's good, because then the radio people can go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's the first thing we're seeing? Um, I should have my phone. I can bring it up on my phone. You know, I've got my phone got right phone? here. Yeah. Um, it probably is the reference photo. Again, I did this so I get this when those first asked me. It's like, oh, I'll go and set that up. It'll make it easier. <laughs> because I knew talking on the radio does not explain it explains but doesn't explain well without a visual so this should help so i believe the first thing is probably the reference photo and by that she means the picture that she took i took of uh my friend's goose named named lucy lucy exactly it's a good goose name so there's a reference photo and then so the reference photo is color for my purposes of scratchboard because i'm working initially in black and white or shades of gray and I want value. So I take the color photo, convert it to black and white. And I 
generally will push the contrast a little bit so I have some really darks. There you go. Yeah, so you can see on that, if you're looking at it, there's mm -hmm. a lot of backlighting on this goose. It just I knew it would be a good reference for a scratch board. And if you want to check out other things, Anne Ran, that's A-N-N-R-A-N.com, is Anne's website. And you can go there and find this and a lot of other stuff. So the first thing that we saw were these photos. And then she has taken a black scratch board. And she's looked at her photo, and you don't, like, project this on it or anything, do I, you? Actually, I don't have a projector, but I do take the photo. I decide what size board I'm using. The uh -huh. brand of boards we use is called Ampersand. I'd be remiss not to mention them because they're pretty awesome. They make great boards. Um, five by seven is a typical size, and that's the size I used for Lucy. Mm -hmm. And they make all sizes that are pre-cut. So can, you would have printed the goose picture out at the same size seven. as you're going to exactly. want to use so that you can have it. Right next to it, and we can well, configure it Well, and then I out. actually, in, instead of tr uh, projecting, I, there's a paper called transfer paper. If any of you remember the old carbon paper, it's yeah. very much like that. Uh -huh. But there's a white version, so it's like a white chalk on the back of it. So I will oh. put that between my reference photo and my scratch board. To get yourself the outlines. Right, and then I'll go on the, the reference photo on top. People will call it tracing. I don't care what you call it. I'll say trace. Transfer. The, transfer, trace. Whatever roadmap I need to do my drawing. So mm -hmm. some drawings have more transfer lines, some have less. It depends mm -hmm. on how much I need to interpret, how much of it ha is critical to the finished drawing. So you're doing a portrait that you want to be exactly like the photograph. Exactly. You're going to have to be really, really exactly. careful. And I assume that's where tracing is becomes very urgent. Whereas if you're doing from memory, um, you know, a baby, a right. generic right. baby, it, it doesn't really matter whether the eyes are you know, two inches apart or two and a half inches apart or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, well, that makes total sense. And, so, And even then, if, I mean, I can draw a goose, but I these drawings take quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. I don't need to add two hours to my drawing time to draw it on a separate piece of paper and then still transfer that to my board. So mm -hmm. transferring from the photo is my shortcut. And when she says from the photo, I assume you mean you print this out on a thin sheet of paper rather than on a heavy photo paper so that it's easier to transfer? You get it. I actually have three versions. So I have a thinner piece that goes over the board for the transfer, uh -huh. and then I'll print the black and white and the color on photo paper so I've got a really good quality image to look at mm -hmm. visually mm -hmm. to see. I don't With need all the, the quality. details. I don't need the quality for the transfer. Just to get the right. outlines. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I'll print one that's overexposed or underexposed, and I will use all of those photos to get what I want as the final image. Right, because you're interpreting these exactly. photos. This is, exactly. not, this is not printing a photo on a scratch board. This is interpreting the, the things and deciding which lines right. whole, are important. You know, artistic license, judgment calls. I deploy the artistic license a lot on anything <laughs> I do, but certainly on we scratch have to. boards. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Okay, so then if you're looking at the website, after that you'll see a picture that is mostly black, but it has a few of the the highlights in it. It has the, the beak, the bill. What do you call it on a goose? A bill. A bill. And uh, the top of the head and where the where the sun is, is glittering off of it. This is a backlit photo. And so she's got the generic work and then put in all the things. And then she comes down to filling in individual feathers and and feather runs. I'm not quite sure how to put this, but if you've ever looked closely at a goose, you'll find that the individual feathers 
as the goose moves, will bunch up and spread out, mm-hmm. and you end up these these little little tiny canyons in the feathers. In fact, so dramatically that at times I've taken a picture of a, an unknown bird, because I'm a bird watcher, mm-hmm. an unknown goose, and I've taken that picture to try and identify it, and I thought it had a striped neck, but it didn't. It just had these feather canyons. Mm-hmm. That's a good and way she's, to describe it. She's got a few feather canyons on this one, she too. Does. Okay, so then, um, so explain that as you go. So first you do the outlines, sort right. of. Right, and so how do I explain it so you all understand it? Well, looking at it, I have to determine what types of knife strokes I need to make to get those things to look like feathers versus the smooth texture of the bill versus the eye versus, you know, whatever it might be on any type of drawing. Um, so looking at that first one that's got some scratching done, longer strokes across her shoulders, short strokes on her bill, and then the neck, they're kind of in between length strokes. Just And I have to pay attention to, as Lois said, the feather canyons and the lighting. So where there is more light, I'm scratching away more. Where there's less light, I'm scratching away less. I mean, it, it's just, it's a process and it takes time to understand how you work and what you need to do to make those marks. So if we could imagine this backwards, a white piece of paper and a very, very, very thin pencil, Mm -hmm. um, the line that you make when you're cutting with a knife would be equivalent to a very thin pencil line on a white piece of paper. Correct. So the direction that you go well yes i understand that but the direction that you go makes a big difference when when you're drawing that line or cutting that line absolutely so you do want to look at things now my main subjects are animals so i'm looking at things like the direction that the hair goes (laughs) fur feathers um you know the inside of the ear of a cat has those long hairs that come out and they come out a certain direction so you want your scratch lines your scratch directions to match the directions and the contour of whatever it is you're drawing. So that makes sense. That, that helps it, hair, define it. Hair goes a particular way, so and it's thin. So if you just cut, if you you cut every line for every hair, you would would be that would be good. Right, right. But it must be harder when it's a solid surface and there aren't any uh, hairs to follow. Yeah. Like on the on where the bill is, where you can see the edge of the bill, that's easy. That's one line mm-hmm. dividing the bill from the background. But the bill itself is smooth. How do you make a so smooth line? Everyone does this differently. Um, the way I work is what I call a stippling process. Now, anyone familiar with pen and ink drawing has done stippling. It's where you take the pen and you make little dots. Oh. And you make them in different densities to make things darker or lighter. Okay. Right? So many of us have done that on paper. It's fun. I've done it. I did a lot of pen and ink work before I really got into Scratchboard. The nice thing on Scratchboard is you can come back and take those dots off. So if you put a dot in the wrong place... You can re-ink it. it's not in the wrong place, but you want it lighter. Now, wait a minute. You can't take it off because you've removed material. But it, you, well, you can you, fill you it in. You think of it as the same way. Yeah, you're taking ink off, but you can add it back. So the okay. way I work smooth surfaces like that bill... Or I've done some chrome projects. Anywhere that there's a smooth texture that you don't want to see. You don't want it to look hairy, if Mm -hmm. that's probably the best description. I will come in and sort of scratch through the whole thing with short little strokes. Uh, I can't make dots. Mm -hmm. Just 
because of the type of knife I use. It's not quite the same as putting a dot on paper with a pen. You could you could get a different kind of knife if you wanted to. And different kind of knives, but because you're still working with that sharp point, right. you can really only do so much with the point. Now, I work with a different type of blade that has almost a bevel to it, but I still can't get a perfect dot the way I can with a pen on paper. Right. So I come in and kind of roughly, I'd almost say scribble and pick away at these mm-hmm. soft areas to remove the ink. But if I want to come back and add a little bit to make it more gray, I will then take a technical pen. And I use those old school rapidographs that if anybody knows those things, I don't know if you've seen these ones. And is that India ink it's also? It's India ink. The same okay. ink that I would use if I were to paint ink on a whiteboard. It works right. really well in these pens. So I'll come back with a pen and put little dots here and there to add uh, I would say okay. gray, but it's so, not really gray because it's just black dots on white. It's sort of like when the newspapers used to print pictures, half-tone. and they would be the halftone. And the size of the the si- the bigger the dot, the darker the area; the smaller the dot, mm-hmm. the the less dark the area. Mm-hmm. Or the more the more dots of of black, you, the grayer. The less dots of black, the lighter. And and you, of course, reverse it with the the exactly. the, the fewer exactly. divots, the darker and the more divots the lighter exactly now so so it sounds as though scratchboard includes also drawing with with an ink pen and this again this is where you get to the way different scratchers as we Ah. call ourselves work i know some people that only do reductive scratching they only scratch away they never put a layer of ink on and i'm impressed as heck by what they do they are scratching away so carefully in each area. So they scratch a little bit less here, a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. And just by scratching away, they're getting the values that they need. That would make me insane. As crazy <laughs> as it is to do what I do, I know it's time-consuming. I know it's tedious. People look at it and go, you're nuts. I get that. I know that I can come back in and re-ink. So I don't worry about everything being perfect the first pass. Ah, So okay. that is where these boards are so forgiving um, and these boards I'm using now are a little different than what I used in that Illustrator's workshop, but it's the same concept. A mm-hmm. really good, decent base of clay that is forgiving that you can actually add and subtract. So back to Lucy here. Yeah. So the first uh, picture you had was very dark. And the second picture you've picked out uh, most of the big feathers. Mm-hmm. And you've put a lot of texture in. And then what's the third picture? So, yeah, the second one that has some... Um, and if just a moment, it is sure. the half hour. It means I have to take All a right. break and do business. And the business is to tell you, my wonderful listeners, that my name is Lois Richter. The program is That's Life. And you are listening to KDRT LP 95.7 in Davis, California. LP, that means low power. Eh. 100-watt light bulb for our broadcast area, but very high energy. And we also stream live on the Internet. So no matter where you are, you can still hear us. And we archive most of our shows. All of the shows get archived. Music shows only get archived for two weeks. That has to do with the, the copyright stuff with the musicians and stuff. But programs like this, which are talk shows, they go forever. So if you ever want to come back and listen to this again while following along on the website, you can do that. Bitly.angoose is where we are. Okay, um, let's see. I need to do one, two, three more things. 
when I'm going to say there's another radio show on called Jazz After Dark. That's Don Shore, Tuesday evenings. I hope you enjoy his show. He's very, very knowledgeable about his jazz music. I really wish he would talk more on that show. We talk a lot on the Davis Garden Show, but once he gets to doing jazz, you know, the man can be very silent. All right, what else? The... UC Davis Design Museum explores how design enhances the objects, technology, and environments we experience every day. Guest and student exhibits feature a wide range of works, including prints, paintings, illustrations, photos, videos, and functional pieces. For more information, call 530-752-6150 or visit arts.ucdavis.edu slash design dash museum. And then the last thing I wanted to say is thank you, you and our our listeners. This is Community Radio, and we exist because of the support of the community. That means you. So thank you for all you've done. We did meet our challenge um, this spring and summer, so we're good to go for another year. But, you know, if you ever want to make a donation, feel free. Go to kdrt.org slash donate, and there you go. All right. Now back to the show. My name is Lois Richter. The program is That's Life, and today I am talking with Anne Ranlett. That's R-A-N-L-E-T-T. And her website is com. And we are talking about scratchboard art. Scratchboard being the medium, art being the product, and Anne being the one who's doing it. All right, so we're, we're off on uh, Lucy Goosey, and she's going through step-by-step step how we're doing it. So. Yeah, so I, where we left off, I think, was talking about, there's one on there, and again, this is for people looking, but if you go look later after the show, you can see it then, too. There's one where there's a big section of black right mm-hmm. in the middle of her head and neck. So that is where I needed to come back and work up the shadows. I got most of the lights done. So the next one from that is the finished drawing, all scratched. Waiting and so for color. All the feathers are in. All of the details are, are there. there. The light is showing up um, bright. Um, it's just bright because there's more white mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. area. Um, okay. So there it is. It's done. And it's that finished. One, that one could yeah. work as a finished drawing. And then you go one more step, and there's just a subtle amount of color. I used one shade of beige, whatever that color you would call it, sort of a taupey beige for her feathers. Raw umber? Yeah, very light wash of it. And I don't recall in this, I either used ink or watercolor. Either works fine. Um, and then there's orange. I mean, that is pretty much it. And the orange is for the bill. Right. And the the reason that it has different tones, because that beige is, is sometimes light and sometimes a little darker, and that has to do with the white absorbing it, does it? Really or, just or has to how do you with what it. you would call, I guess you could call it the underpainting in a way. I mean, it's it was the under scratching, right? So the scratching layer really is what defined how those lights show mm-hmm. up when the color's added. Because I, it, it, this is an older drawing, so I don't recall for sure. But looking at it makes me think I did one shade of umber, mixed one mm-hmm. shade of umber and painted it on a whole goose. Mm-hmm. Now, I may have come back and added a few highlights back in. So once that color was so, dry. So, like, re-scratched a little bit of white. Uh, okay. Probably the top of her head, that really shiny spot on the curve of her neck, and maybe just a few places to build back in a little bit more layer of uh, lighting. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of work done. So from the time I colored it, 
there may have been a step in between what you're seeing there. So it was a fully scratched version and then the final colored version. There was probably a step in between that had a little more. So after you colored and before you and retouched. I just didn't scan that one, yeah. yeah. So there's kind of a final retouch that may be, you know, 3% of the whole process. Okay. Just to get those So then in. we're now left with a 5 by 7 original work of art on a solid board. What do you do with it? Do you frame it? Do you float it? Do you I how, how do you display it? it? I ah, seal it. Ah, now see that's the step so, that's very important. That's the scary step. Um, now, what do you seal it with? There are a number of different kinds of sealers, but we like to use a UV protecting sealer. So that helps. Just if it were just a black and white drawing, that clay is or that ink is pretty inert. I don't think over time anything would happen to it. It's just carbon. It. It's just carbon. Yeah. I don't think it would fade. But you but don't the color want, might. You, the color might, and you don't want the board getting scratched now if you took a fingernail and drug it across the board that was not sealed it would leave a scuff but it wouldn't actually scratch into the to get to the white but we don't want scuffs on it mm-hmm. so a layer a couple layers of sealer helps protect it so you'd like spraying got, on I a, a spray a, yeah uh, my uh-huh. friends that work larger actually have more like a industrial spray rig because mm. they're working mm-hmm. on a large board they've got to really get that sprayed on there this is the most frightening part of a scratch board because you spent hours and hours on a board, and you go to spray it, and things can happen. Oh. So you want to be in a, as clean a place as possible. You don't want your dog's hairs floating around, your cat's hairs, dust, mm. grime, whatever. Um, the temperature has to be right. The can of sealer has to be the same temperature as your room. I mean, all these things, just we've, what, we've what, all had a catastrophe. What happens if, if the temperatures are different? It, the, the spray just doesn't go out right. You get, if you've got humidity in the air, it'll end up with moisture getting caught up in the spray oh. and leaving a weird texture on the board. Oh. We have all, we've got a couple of scratch board forums online. and Without fail, every month or so, someone comes in, I had a scratch board catastrophe. How do I fix it? Because when I was sealing it, something happened. So we all jump on and go... You can probably fix it. Just here's some stuff we've discussed before. Go read how it was done. So, um, and there's just no way were, around if it. If it were it me, the, the very first thing I would do after I finished it is I would put it on a nice photo rig and I would take the best, highest resolution picture oh, yes. of it I can. I do that. So that, I mean, even if somebody came along and broke it, I could at least have a print of it. That's what I do. I have a, a flatbed scanner. Most of my work is smaller, so I have an 8.5 by 14 flatbed scanner. Mm-hmm. So I scan it either in one, one pass if it's a smaller piece, or I can lay it down a couple times and then have to, in Photoshop, stitch mm-hmm. it together. But, yes, I always take the photos before I spray it mm-hmm. because once it's sealed, even the sealer, I use a sort of a semi-mat. There's still enough sheen on it that the scanner may not pick up things just right if there's a layer of sealer on it okay so i'll scan do you, it first do you ever put it, in it behind glass instead of instead of sometimes sealing it sometimes i will um i've sort of gotten away with that from that because if you've got something under glass mm-hmm. and you're shipping it to a show and the glass breaks well then it's the grass destroyed. can scratch the surface of yeah. the scratch board so it's you know you just have to make your own judgment calls i prefer not glassed I seal it. I will float mount it and make sure that the frame sticks, projects enough forward of the board so there's a little protection there. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, you can't just drag across it. Um, and I've had good success with that. I will make sure I get three to four really good coats of sealer on it and call it good. 
and just cross my fingers. If I get three coats really well, I call it good. Mm-hmm. I don't want to anger the spray gods any further. <laughs> call it good. Well, we're um, lucky that uh, we live in the Central Valley of California oh, yes. because it's very, very dry here. So I would assume that if you simply, oh, I don't know, went into the bathroom where everything is sparkly clean and there's no cat hair or dog hair or whatever, and close that door and then set up your spray booth, and uh, we should dry well. It should be a warm temperature. So you probably have less problems with that I than do. the folks in Georgia. Yeah, I've got friends in back east and mm-hmm. uh, up in back east in Canada as well, and they just have to wait for good days. Or mm-hmm. you can, like I've done it in the wintertime, mm-hmm. not when it's actually raining out, but maybe on a day after we've had rain. But I've got where my studio is, I've got a little air conditioner and I've got a heater. Mm-hmm. So I just run both, and if it's if it's critical, I and I have to. Get, there's a time thing I have to get it done. I will do that. Otherwise, I'll just wait till the weather's better and spray mm-hmm. it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, summer commissions that I have to get out to my customers, so they can't wait necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, here's a five by seven goose, and the final product is about half black, about a third black and two thirds um, not black. As far as the area. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is she hasn't gone and scratched every single inch of the 5 by 7 but a lot of it. How many hours did it take from um, sitting down with your photos to being ready to spray that, being done with the the work? My best guess, because I don't keep track of it, um, that would be depressing. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, as we all know, we don't really get a great hourly rate. But I've come up with a formula, and I've raised my prices over the years. Every year I raise a little bit. So I have a square inch formula. Which we can't um, say on the air because this is a public, non-commercial yes. radio station. And, and it will it will change over time anyway. But there's an amount. And um, so I don't, instead of trying to do an hourly rate, I just do a, a size rate. But, but I'm still my question yeah, is, how many hours do you put into seven, this thing? I would say it's at least 10 hours for a 5 by 7 Actually, that's less than I but thought you were going to say. every one is different. Yeah, I thought so, that was, that's less than I thought you were going to say. They're all different. Yeah. Because Lucy, if you look at Lucy, she's got a lot of texture and feathers. Mm-hmm. If I get the feathers right, I'm pretty much done. Mm-hmm. If it were something like her bill everywhere, mm-hmm. that takes more time. For me to get that smooth texture that I want... Um, takes more time because I need to do more back and forth work, more layering work. Mm-hmm. Where if I do feathers or fur, I come in and get them right more or less the first pass. And, and as we go. said, fur is hair, so if, as long as you go in the right direction with the hair, it exactly. looks like hair. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing that the thing that I will see new scratchers do, because I do teach workshops and we, um, we all help each other because we're such a unique medium. Mm-hmm. These forums online are just amazing. Everybody's super friendly and helpful, and we've got all levels of scratchers that come in. And what I see is people just, because they can scratch, they do. Mm-hmm. So they're not really paying attention to the kind of strokes they need to make. What They just come in and they just start scratching lines. Mm. And that that's fine. You have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that's what I see most people do when they start. They don't pay attention to the hair direction, the length of strokes they need to make, the tones, the values, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And that just comes with time. It comes with practice. And certainly someone who's had more drawing practice beforehand will adapt to this more quickly than someone who hasn't done anything that doesn't understand. I'm thinking of a way of trying to teach myself if I wanted to do this um, by taking a, a picture of, you know, black and white photo, but on paper. 
mm-hmm. um, of fur, and then taking myself a black pen, very thin, the, the width of what a line of a scratch would be, mm-hmm. and then trying to color, draw in every single hair. So at the end of the thing, the whole thing would be black. Mm-hmm. But I would be going... I would be learning how long that hair mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. how what direction I had to go. That might be a fun way to would, to, yeah. To, yeah. to start figuring it out. Yeah, and then what you have to do is reverse that. So, well, then, but then I would be repeating it with a knife right, instead exactly. of exactly. So you would get, assuming then that was a lighter animal, right? Because what I explain to people, the the quickest explanation is that I'm drawing white with a knife. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that seems to click for people because yeah, they, they look at it and they're like, but you're drawing backwards. You're like, well, I'm drawing white with an eye. Yep. So it's exactly the opposite. You're putting dark marks on white paper with a pencil right. or you're putting white marks on a blackboard with a knife. Yeah. So you have to think in reverse. Well, it's not really reverse. It's not reverse. You're just trying to match you're drawing your where, the, where that hair is. Yeah, and you're drawing just, your You're just lines. drawing the white part of the hair instead of the black right. part of the so hair. So you leave your shadows. So your shadows are your negative space instead of on another type of drawing where you've got white space. Right. On the scratch board, your negative space is actually black. Uh So honestly, once if you've done both, if you've done any art, your your head goes, okay, I'm using a knife. I'm working this way. I'm using Mm -hmm. a pencil. I'm working that way. Mm -hmm. You cam over pretty quickly once you've done it a few times. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining about Lucy. Oh, absolutely. She's a very pretty goose. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a nice goose, too. (laughs) <laughs> Good goose. Good goose. So how did you end up becoming the head of this organization? I'm not the head of it. I'm one of the members. Oh, you're not? I'm the webmaster. That may be how you connect ah. with me. I am the webmaster. Um, I was on the board for a while, and now I'm just doing the website. Um, but I'm very active in the organization mm-hmm. and was one of the first members that signed on. Once we had an organization to sign on to, I jumped mm-hmm. right in. Um, but I was not one of the founders. But I've been with them the whole time. And I see that you brought a few things with you. What is it that you're going to show me here? Well, it's uh, I have a falcon drawing that I'm working on. Now okay. that's on a blackboard. So this now I can't. I, I I should only touch it from the back, never from the front, right? Yeah. If your hands are clean, it's fine. Um, you wouldn't want to be eating potato chips and then touching these boards, but because the oil would get in into fingers, it and it would and di- it would discolor the white. It would discolor the white, and generally the sealer helps take care of all that stuff. So if you do get a smudgy print, and uh, you know, scuffs, the sealer helps sort of equalize all that. And it also makes the black and the colors a little bit richer when you're done with it. So, makes it a little glossy? A little bit. Now, some people use a glossy sealer. Others use a flat. I like a semi-matte, which is right in between. All right. Well, this is a beautiful Peregrine Falcon picture. I see she has the picture in color and then a black and white version of it. She's done this. Now, it says black and white, but you know, this doesn't look white to me. This looks more like a cream color. There's very and there's very little on that that's pure white, and yeah, I would say it's maybe a little bit off white. So the the, the layer the of clay, clay layer is a slightly off white. Okay, slightly off white. And then, um, all right. Well, it's impressive. I wish you guys could see it. Go to her website and look at some of her her work. It just it, it's inspirational. Hey, there's Dolly the the sheep. Now that's done on a whiteboard. So you can see how I've put things on differently. Now, wait a minute. The, the whiteboard no, has a, a black no under it? no black at all. It's, it's white. So you painted the black on. Exactly. So it's white and more white. I've added the black. 
and there's some parts that are gray, which is where I've taken the India ink and watered it down to make a gray and painted that on. This is very early stages, so it's pretty rough still. Um, it looks like an ink drawing to me. And that's, that's where it's going. Eventually it will happen. You can see parts of it so are more detailed. which parts are painted on and which parts are scratched out? The lower right corner has been painted on. Right. But right next to her, I've started scratching. This? Yeah. So there I started scratching. Because what okay. I want... So it looks as though she's not, she's, she's not painting on too many places where she's actually using a little pen and drawing lines more she's putting a blob of ink on and then scratching through it mm-hmm. though there's look at that nose there's a whole lot of little doodles up I've there with back, that ink yeah i've come back with a pen and put mm-hmm. little dots and scribbles but there okay. are many hours left to get this to where <laughs> i want it to be um you know what i can probably do i'll take photos of these and put them on that same bitly page oh that'd be so lovely. at least people can see what we were talking about yeah that'd be so, lovely that'd be lovely help. Okay, so um, that's great, and that's telling me a lot about Scratchboard, and I really appreciate it, and I think this is great. Do you want to talk about any other things, like like where do you go to see Scratchboard art? I mean, is this something that is only shown in, in a... In a you know, back corner or a little, you know, separate thing? Or is it something that's widely unknown? Is it in all the museums? Is it? It's it's more unknown mm-hmm. than known. But part of the reason we formed the society was to make people aware that Scratchboard is a fine art. Uh-huh. Um, it was originally made for um, publication purposes. You know, they used to do the wood cuts, the line of cuts, whatever, the mm-hmm. etchings, and print those. Mm-hmm. Well, some I don't know how it started, but someone came up with a scratchboard type surface where instead of having to then reproduce that and flip it, you know, for print, they could actually just do the drawings on these boards, and they were black and white, so they reproduced reproduce well. Uh-huh. Because it was, there were no shades of gray. They were truly black and white, even though you had the appearance of shades of gray. So that was initially for publication purposes, and somewhere along the way, fine artists got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. And we've just run with it in our own direction. Well, fine um, artists will experiment with will anything. anything yes. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as I said earlier, we have a show every year somewhere in, mostly in the U.S., but we've been in Australia and Canada, um, where it's just scratchboard. But unless you're close by, you're not going to see a show of all scratchboard. You might see one or two pieces in a show, wherever, whatever art shows you might see. Mm-hmm. We generally don't even see a category for scratchboard. We get lumped into drawing or other or mixed media or whatever it is that best fits what it is. Sounds like we should talk to the Yolo County Fair and get them to add scratchboard as a category. If you will promise, absolutely promise, that you will submit things for it next year. Can I enter I not can... being in Yolo County? I'm Are you close enough? Placer County? Yeah, you're Would close Would they enough. let me in? Okay. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Placer's one of the counties that are in okay. here. Okay. I think so. And, then, and uh, you know, maybe we can do that. Maybe yeah. we can do that. Yeah. And maybe uh, last year, now it's the Yolo County Fair is the third weekend in August. Okay. And so last year I did a demo of my swiped acrylics there at the fair, and mm-hmm. I just sat there for a couple hours doing it and chatting with people. That would be a wonderful thing if you offered to just sit and chat for an hour and, and work on your scratchboard and tell people what, you, what you're doing. I have done that at the State Fair, and it's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's two or three really long days, but you spend so much time explaining what scratchboard is. And it's fun. Well, this people isn't even a booth. Is. This is just you come in and oh, into the, in the, fi- the fine arts uh, area. Every 
every, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, they, each day they will have, or, and Sunday sometimes, they will have at least one artist doing either a demo mm-hmm. or a workshop. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people come and they bring this stuff so that people can actually try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, for something that's more complicated or too messy, as in the case of the swiped acrylics, right. um, it was easier just to show and tell. Sure. But, sure. you know, an hour or two is... Uh, is yeah. all I'm up for that. Can, yeah. I'm always up for talking about scratchboard. I okay. mean, because people don't know what it is. Yeah. They get a new appreciation for new art form. They get to see how cool it is. Because it's is really Is there amazing. a place where uh, classes are offered? I teach some. Um, so if they go to your website, there will be a place that says, says about classes. I don't have anything scheduled at the moment, but I do teach. But I they just, can they, they can, can give a contact form they, and they yes, can say they're I've interested. Got a contact form, send me an email. I'll put you on my class list. When I have a class, I send out an email to people Great. that are interested. So Great. Yeah, I try and teach a few times a year. It just depends on where I the a couple of places I teach either my studio or elsewhere. It just depends on the scheduling and what works right. out for people. Right. So okay, yeah. well it sounds yeah. like fun. Okay, we only have about another. Six minutes to go, and I'm glad that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is something that's going to be what you're doing all the time, or are you getting bored? No, I don't get bored. I love it. Love I really it. love it. It's a perfect fit. I've got a degree in biology. Mm. I'm a science nerd. I'm detail oriented. Mm-hmm. I could not have found a better medium for me. I love animals, so. I can get that detail I want. I get to work on animals. Um, I'm sort of surprised you're you're not doing botanical prints too. You know, not I've as interesting. Few, well, yeah, not as interesting. I've done some maybe in color pencil, other mediums. Mm-hmm. This just went to the whole commission thing, and I've been doing that. And then yeah. odds and ends, entries for shows. I mean, I try to get the portraits of people's pets, portraits of people's yeah. pets, and then yeah. I want to get scratchboard and shows. So we have our annual scratchboard society show. I'm also a member of Society of Animal Artists, so I try and get a piece. Now, that show is really hard to get into. The, the level of the members' work is so impressive. But I try to get something to enter for that. So I'm working mm-hmm. on show entries and then commissions and other stuff. I've got plenty of scratchboard to keep me busy, and I, I don't get bored. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Good. Good. The um, Talking about people who are curious, having listened to this, is there if there's if they can't find a local class, is there a way that one can have like is there a a follow along teach it to yourself kind of thing online someplace you know of? Probably the best thing would be um, if you go to YouTube and just search scratchboard demos or mm. scratchboard. There's I've got a few little videos. Um, I have some on my Instagram account. Where I've got little. You can only put a minute up there, but I've got little scratchboard demos there. Um, that, and that's then fine. YouTube, YouTube. I'll have to check out your yeah. YouTube stuff. Um, and yeah. then there's a Scratchboard Society or Scratchboard Artist Group on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, mm-hmm. join us there. Scratchboard artists. And you don't have to be professional. No, we've got mm-hmm. new people. People never done it. People just starting. And then we've got all our, our master level artists in there as well. And everybody's mm-hmm. super helpful. Um, if you want mm-hmm. critique, we'll give it. Otherwise, we just let you post. And everybody says it's nice. I mean, you know, everybody's really <laughs> really nice because we love this medium. We want to pr- support new members. Everything I've seen so far of the scratchboard that I've looked at has been an animal, a plant, a flower, uh, some realistic thing. Are there people who are doing, like, abstract scratchboards? I mean, it seems it seems like it would be a hard technique to get people to take seriously. 
There are some that do more abstract, but I think the nature of this level of detail that we can get is what draws us to Scratchboard. So we tend to do the detailed subject, animals, plants. Well, people, people are entirely possible. Um, mm-hmm. That brochure there has a person on the front. I've done some chrome drawings, which is really fun. You've got that really nice contrast, black and white, to make it look like chrome. Hmm. But abstract is not as common in this medium because it just I don't think the medium lends itself as well to that. It's meant for detail. Mm-hmm. But well, I you wouldn't can, say you can be someone, a detailed abstract. It's just yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of it is more tending to more toward more realistic. But yeah. We don't frown upon abstracts. We'd like to see it. In fact, a friend of mine does do abstracts. She's up in El Dorado area, and she's done some really cool color abstracts on the whiteboards, mm-hmm. and they're impressive. Her name's Linda Clark, if anybody wants to look her up. Okay. Um, but, yeah, she's one of the rare eggs that does more abstract. But we like it. It's neat mm-hmm. to see something mm-hmm. really different. You can only see so many tigers and zebras. Not that they're <laughs> bad. There's nothing wrong with them. Well, my, my brother did a, is a fantastic photographer, and he took some gorgeous pictures of animals. Um, he passed away last August, oh, a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that what I might do is email you some of his photos. And if anything inspires you, that would be great. Then I will give yeah. you permission to use Absolutely. his his art in your art. That would be wonderful because that would that would be a lovely legacy good to have to something yes. having something. Good. He, you know, he he did such good work, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was never he never went out of his way to make it known. He he would never have a Flickr account. I mean, I have a Flickr account. My goodness! And, so nobody I mean, would you know, see his work, right? Nobody sees. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they yeah. when they traveled, um, they they built a boat and they went sailing in, in the uh, in the Philippines mm-hmm. after the boat was built. And so he every month he would write up a travelogue of where they'd been and and, and post his fi- pictures. Mm-hmm. So there was like the newsletter of here's what Jim and Jamie are doing, and then there was the travelogue. And this time we went and we looked at these things or that stuff and so i have up on my website gotouring.com i have his entire collection of those things from when they were in the philippines and Mm -hmm. so that was like four years worth of stuff so there's a bunch of things out there but he didn't he didn't make it it was all just for family and friends. Yeah. You know, he didn't actually make it public. Hmm. Well, I want to thank you for being here, and I'm going to have to close out the show pretty soon. So this is Anne Ranlett, R-A-N-L-E-T-T, and her website is annran.com. And my name is Lois Richter, and the program is That's Life. We enjoy having you listening to us, and if you want to make a note or comment or something, you can always go to kdrt.org slash that's life, and you'll find archives of this and a blog so if you want to leave me a message you can do that or you can just call me up on the telephone you know my number don't you yeah well it's in the phone book okay thank you for listening you're listening to kdrtlp 95.7 here in davis california